So let us go back again. The first one. What is suffering? Birth, right? Birth is suffering, and then <laughs> aging is suffering, and and <laughs> death is suffering. Hmm? And, yeah, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, despair are suffering, and then association with uh, the uh, uh, the unloved is suffering separation from the love is suffering not to get what one wants is suffering hmm? what is next the first the five aggregates of clinging are suffering so now you understand why they are called suffering. And the two levels of the understanding of Dukkha. And also the, the translation of Dukkha as suffering is not adequate. Because Dukkha means more than suffering, right? So, what is the mark of dukkha? Uh, it's constantly oppressed by arising and disappearing. Very good. Huh? <laughs> so, so, if you want to see dukkha, you must see that. Huh? The, const the constant oppression by arising and disappearing. So, can you find, point, point out anything in the world which just arises and does not disappear? No. Huh? Even the buildings, uh, they, may, they may stand for a hundred years or two hundred years, and then in the end, uh, yeah, they will disappear. They will, they will become old, and then they will have to be <coughs> demolished. So, there is not a single thing in the world that has only the beginning and not the end. Since everything is, uh, has beginning and an end, we say everything is oppressed by the arising and disappearing. So there is no, no gap between the arising and disappearing. No, 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 no break. That is why they say constant oppression by arising and disappearing. Now here, in passing, I want to tell you about the word Sankara. You, you, are you familiar with the, with the word Sankara? You may, maybe uh, in some of my talks uh, I may have explained it. You want to hear it again? <laughs> now, whenever you find the word Sankara in Pali, you should be very careful. Because it can mean two things. One is opposite of the other. So Sankhara can mean something that produces. And it can also mean something that is produced. So the first meaning is the active meaning 
and the second is passive meaning. So both the producer and what is produced can be called sankhara in Pali. And that makes the understanding of the word sankhara more difficult. Because whenever you find the word sankhara, you have to find out, you have to know in what sense it is used, whether it is used in the active sense or in the passive sense. And that is why also the word sankhara cannot be translated by just one word or just one, uh, one or a group of, uh, or a group of words. Sometimes people say sankhara as volitional activities. Then you cannot use this translation volitional activities for every every sankhara you 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 find in the in the books. Sometimes sankhara means something that produces, and sometimes it means something that is produced. So you should understand. What meaning is required in a given context? Now, if you're familiar with the dependent origination, there is a saying, Avijja Pachaya Sankara. Dependent upon Avijja, ignorance, Sankaras arise. That is one sentence in dependent origination. So you find the word sankhara there. The word sankhara there should be understood in the active sense. Sankhara means those that produce some other thing. So there the sankhara means kama. Avijja pachaya sankhara. Because there is ignorance, we do kusalakama or akusalakama. We do good deeds or bad deeds because uh, we have ignorance. But sabbi sankhara anicca, now that is another saying, sabbi sankhara anicca, all sankharas are impermanent. Now in that sentence, sankhara is to be understood in the passive sense. Here, all sankara, sankara means all those that are produced or that are conditioned. So all those that are conditioned are impermanent. So there, you cannot translate sankara as volitional activities. If you translate there, the sankara there as volitional activities, you are wrong. So you have to be very careful about the word sankhara. And then there is the word sankhara khanda, the, the, among the five aggregates, the, 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 the fourth aggregate is called sankhara aggregate. So there also the word sankhara is to be understood in the active sense, something that, that produces or that conditions. And in Pali, the word Sankara is used in, in plural, or almost always in plural. Now, the five aggregate, aggregates. The first aggregate is Rupa aggregate. Huh? 
matter. So you, it is not not difficult to understand matter aggregate. Now the second aggregate is feeling aggregate. That means you have feeling in your mind. You you suppose you have pain in the body, and you experience that pain with your mind. And in your mind, there is a mental state called feeling. So that feeling can be sometimes pleasurable feeling, sometimes displeasurable feeling, and sometimes neutral feeling. Sometimes you are happy, sometimes you are sad, sometimes you are neither happy nor sad. So these uh, these three kinds of feeling are called feeling aggregate. So every time you experience an object, there is this feeling. You may you may not uh, be aware of that feeling, but there is always feeling. So when you see something, you may see it with uh, pleasurable feeling, or you may see it with displeasurable feeling, or sometimes you may see it with neutral feeling. So there there, there these three there are at least these three kinds of feeling, and they are called feeling aggregate. And then the next one is perception. Now that is difficult to understand. Now what is perception? <laughs> what is perception? <laughs> so here, the word sanya. Now in the Pali word sanya means making a mark. Now you may have seen carpenters building. Um, Building a house or making things like this table and so on, and then they make marks on the on the wood on the timber, right? So this part is to be cut off, or this part is to be taken, or this is this part is to be used as a foot or as a as a boat and so on. So they make marks on the timber, and these help them to remember or to recognize when they see it later. In the same way. Whenever we uh, we experience an object, our mind makes a mark of that object. Now that is why, when we experience it again, we are able to recognize it. Suppose you see a man or a woman. You may not know, or you may not be aware that your mind has made a mark of that person, but your mind has made a mark. And so, when you see him or her later, uh, you recognize that person, or it is he or it is she uh, that I saw a few a few days ago or a month ago, and so on. So that kind of making mark is what is called sanya, perception aggregate. And that sanya can be a correct sanya or incorrect, a wrong sanya, and on that sanya. We base our actions. That is why we need to. It is important to get a correct sanya with regard to the the objects we we observe. Sometimes, let's say in the evening when it is a little dark, you see a robe, and then you think it is a snake. Right? That means you have made the wrong sanya there. So you think it is a snake, and you may you may shout and you may run away from it. You are very afraid because you think it is a snake. 
right? But it is not a, not really a snake. It is a rope. But you have made a wrong sanya. Your mind has made a wrong sanya, and so you act accordingly. So it is important that we need to have right sanya. So that is that sanya is translated as in English as perception. So whenever you find the word uh, perception aggregate, please understand that it means making a mark, making a mark for recognition later. <clears throat> and then sankhara of sankhara aggregate. Now sankhara aggregate means a group of mental states headed by volition. You know volition, right? Volition is a, a the translation of the Pali word chitana. It, it is a mental state that, that encourages you to do something, that pushes you to do something. So that, that, that uh, mental state is called volition or chetana. And it is, uh, it is present with every, every type of consciousness. It is compared to a, a, a monitor in a class I don't know whether that word, word is still used. When I was young, they we have a class, and one, one, one pupil is called a monitor. So he is a head, leader of the, the other pupils. So a, that kind of person uh, works for himself as well as encourages others to do their work. So. So, Chitana is like that. Chitana always encourages other mental factors to do their own function, as, and at the same time, it does its own function. So, um, that mental state is called in Pali, Chitana of volition, and that is also called a Sankhara. So, the mental states uh, that are headed by Chitana are called Sankhara aggregate. And there are altogether 50, 50 mental states that we call um, Sankhara aggregate. So you can read uh, about the aggregates in that big book also. No, not here. <laughs> you, are good. you have to go to another chapter. <laughs> So the last one is called consciousness aggregate. Consciousness, this word also is not, not accurate, but we have to stay with it because we, we do not know any other better word for, uh, for the Pali word citta or vijnana. But here consciousness means just the awareness of the object. And it is said that consciousness is always with us all through our lives. So from the moment of conception until the moment of death, there is consciousness. When a person has fainted, uh, 
you say this this person is unconscious. Sometimes be, be, people became un- unconscious in an accident or when they have disease, right? Although they are said to be unconscious according to popular usage, according to Abhidhamma, they are with consciousness even when they are said to be unconscious. So even when you are asleep, there is consciousness or mental activity going on. You are not without consciousness when you are asleep. So that awareness of the object is what what is called uh, vinyana or citta in Pali. And that vinyana or citta is always accompanied by other mental states. The, the, the feeling, feeling, mental state, perception, mental state, and sankara, mental states. So consciousness is always accompanied by the, the other mental states. So in one experience of seeing, we can see all five aggregates. So when you see something, the something you see is meta-aggregate, right? Suppose you see a flower. The flower you see is meta, meta-aggregate. And you have the eyes. So the eyes are also, what are the eyes? Mine or meta? Matter. So the eyes are also matter. And then you see the, the, you see the rose and there is a seeing in your mind. That seeing is consciousness aggregate. And while you see the rose, you may have the feeling, pleasurable feeling, or maybe unpleasurable feeling if you don't like roses, or neutral feeling. So there is a feeling also when you see the rose. And along with it, your mind makes a mark of that rose. Oh, this is a rose or something like that. And also, uh, there are other mental states arising with uh, that consciousness regarding, regarding the rose. Say the jitana, uh, encouraging or telling other mental states to their own function and so on. Uh, let us say you, you, like, you like the rose and you are attached to it, so there is attachment. Or you don't like it and you have dosa, you have anger or, or ill will uh, for the rose and so there is dosa. So all these are called sankhara aggregates. So in one experience of seeing, we can understand these five aggregates. So actually, in order to understand the five aggregates, you don't have to go to a book. You find all five aggregates in yourself. So at every moment of seeing, hearing and so on, there are all these five aggregates going on and on. So these are the five aggregates. Now you understand the five aggregates? You remember them? Okay. Number one, aggregate, meta-aggregate, number two, feeling aggregate, number three, perception, number four, 
Sankara aggregate, <coughs> and number five, consciousness aggregate. And it is important that we take any of these five aggregates as object when we practice vipassana. So vipassana takes only these five aggregates that are subject to clinging as object. So now we come to the end of dukkha or mm, the noble truth of suffering. So you want to ask some questions about the noble truth of suffering? <laughs> now, number four is a group of 50 mental states. One of these 50 mental states is in English volition and in Pali Chetana. C-E-T-A-N-A. And that Chetana is also called Sankara. Because it, it uh, conditions other mental states or it uh, helps other mental states to do their own function. But here, the name of the Chetana, Sankara, is applied to all 50 mental states. And so all 50 mental states are called Sankara aggregate. Actually, Sankara is just one, but it is the leader of, of all these 550 mental states, and so all 50 mental states are called uh, Sankara aggregate. But in, 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 in fact, Sankara is the name of Chetana, of volition, which is just one among the 50 mental states. Now you you understand? <laughs> Any more questions? No? Okay. In order to understand the first noble truth in depth, what must you do? Mm -hmm. So reading is reading reading books enough? No. Listening to talks enough? No. So you have to see it for yourself, right? So in order to see it for yourself, you, you have to practice. Because this kind of understanding cannot be borrowed from any other person. I cannot transfer it to you and you cannot tra transfer it to me. You have to do your own, you have to make your own effort and I have to make my own effort. So that is one aspect of Buddha's teachings. Buddha's teachings actually cannot be transferred to another person. I cannot give my samadhi to you, right? You cannot give your samadhi to me. What I can do is give you instructions how to get samadhi, right? Because samadhi is in, in your mind and I cannot enter in your mind, mind and then make samadhi there. So, in, in, in Buddha's teachings, we have to rely on ourselves for understanding, for the true understanding of, say here, the, the, the noble truth of suffering. 
and the noble truth of suffering can be understood only when we practice vipassana meditation. We may think that we understand noble truth by reading books and listening to talks, but still our understanding is not enough or not, not uh, deep enough. So we have to understand it deeply so that even what are called pleasures in the world, we, are, we understand them as dukkha or suffering. And also when we understand this, we can easily accept the Buddha's teaching that all the five aggregates of clinging are suffering. And when we understand this, we will not accuse Buddha of being a pessimist. You know the word pessimist? Ah. So many people say that Buddha was pessimistic. Right? Buddha's teachings are pessimistic because they say we don't like Buddhists because you, you, you always talk, talk about dukkha. <laughs> right? But what we are saying is not, not just what is bad in the world, I mean, in life, it is a fact. So what Buddha said was the fact, not just one part of the fact. And Buddha did not stop at saying there is dukkha. Buddha also said that there is a cause of this dukkha and there is the cessation of this dukkha and there is a way that will lead you to the cessation of dukkha, right? So how can we accuse Buddha of being a pessimist? A pessimist is, oh, it is dukkha and then you cannot do anything, right? You have to just surrender to dukkha and do nothing. But Buddha did not say that. Buddha did not stop there. At first, he, he told us that, oh, life is suffering. Life is suffering because it is suffering. It is a fact. It is a reality. And then he didn't stop there, but he said, and that, that suffering has a cause. And I, I, I have discovered that cause. And then that suffering can be made to end. That suffering will come to cessation. And, it, and here is how, uh, what to do uh, to end that suffering. Okay, now, in order to understand the Four Noble Truths, you have to understand a, a simile of a doctor. Huh? A doctor first diagnoses a patient, right? So he examines the patient and then he says, ah, you have this disease. And then he will tell him, I know what causes this disease. Then the patient wants to know, can my disease be cured? Buddha said, yes, it can be cured. It can come to cessation. Then he will ask, the, the patient will ask, what, what medicine should I take? Then the doctor will give him medicine. In the same way, Buddha gave us the Four Noble Truths. So if you, if you understand that simile, you understand the Four Noble Truths. Sala.